You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. All right, so we are continuing our study through the Lord's Prayer. This is the prayer, the model prayer that Jesus has given us in Matthew chapter 6. We have been taking it piece by piece, and today uh, we get to just a very special part of this prayer. And so as we read it, I thought this would be good for us to maybe read it together out loud. We kind of do this on and off, but let's go ahead and stand together. And we, let's go ahead and together, this should be on the screens. And if you have a need of a Bible, there should be Bibles around in your chairs. But in verse nine of chapter six, let's read this together. Pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Lord, this is your word. Help us to live by it, to live for it. And God, as we Think deeper about this prayer, about you. I pray that we would be changed, that your spirit would do something fresh in us today. We love you, God. Give our ears an attentive focus and our hearts an openness to receive what you have. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can have a seat. So while we're on the subject of children and talking about kids and just the importance of caring for the next generations and caring for children. Um, I have a picture here to show you. This is a guy. Uh, it's funny, as I was looking at this picture, I was like, oh, this kind of looks like the giant in um, BFG, uh, if you've ever seen that Disney. If not, don't, don't worry about it. It's fine. But this, that's not who that is. Uh, this is actually a wonderful, powerful man of God who lived in the 1800s. His name is George Mueller. And he is recognized as a man who lived his life by prayer. And what he's most known for is effectually solving, not to the fullest extent, extent, but really solving the, the orphan crisis in England in the 1800s. At that time, the orphan crisis was, was massive. Uh, kids were wandering the streets, there was about 36, there were accommodations at the time in England in the 1800s for 3,600 orphans in the whole country. That's, the, that's what the accommodations were for. And twice that many children under the age of eight were in prison. Many were sick with cholera and begging in the streets. And George Mueller had such a heart for the orphan, had such a heart for the widow, had such a heart for those hurting, that he dedicated his life to step-by-step trying to solve that problem. Now, he did not grow up this 
lover of children and even a Christian man. He grew up as uh, an unbeliever. He did not know the Lord. He was known as a, as a liar, as a thief. He ran around with women. He was not a great guy. And his dad, who was a tax collector, actually wanted him, wanted his son to go into the ministry, wanted him to become a, a preacher because, not because he loved Jesus, but because he felt that was a good way for his son to earn a living and it would be a steady, comfortable life. At the age of 20, he actually went to university to study theology, but nothing had changed in his life. He was still living for himself. He had no desire to serve the Lord, but he said, man, I got to figure some things out because if I'm going to actually be a, a pastor or a preacher, I better start either changing my ways or believing the things that I'm going to be speaking of because the people are going to see through it. No one's going to want me to be their pastor if I'm living the way that I'm living. And something changed his life. A friend invited him to a prayer meeting. And it was unlike anything he had ever been to before. He said at this, at this prayer meeting, he saw things he had never seen. He saw men and women kneeling in prayer, he, he found people showing him love. He saw a devotion to God that was unlike anything that he had ever seen before. And he was changed and he was converted that night. And immediately in that moment, he had a heart for ministry. He actually wanted to be a missionary. Um, and his dad got upset that he wanted to be a missionary now because there wasn't as much money in being a missionary as there was being a pastor. But he was like, no, I'm all for being a missionary. But the Lord kind of steered his life and did not let that happen because he actually got sick and there were some things that kept him from going on the mission field. And so he, he eventually got married and soon became a pastor of a local church. And immediately he felt like there were some inconsistencies in the way they did church. See, in those days, you actually had to rent a seat. <laughs> you had to rent a seat in church. Put that in for 2021. We'll see how that, see how we do at the end of 2020. He had to rent a seat and he hated this. He said, this is not right. And so he actually stopped the practice altogether and he just put a, a, an offering box in the back of the church and said, when you feel led to give, you give and I'll trust the Lord for the rest. And this was, this was huge. He actually didn't even take a salary as pastor, he said, I don't, I don't want to ask anybody for anything. I just want to trust God for all of this. And this set him on a course for his life that really changed his country for sure. And I bet a lot more than that. And there is just story after story. If you get a chance to read more about this man, it's, it's fascinating what God did through him and his wife as they would pray and seek God for their daily provision. As the orphan condition got worse in England, he felt that they needed to do something about it. And so what he did was they would start inviting orphans into their home for breakfast and a Bible study. And after about three years of doing that, he said, okay, we're going to open up our, an orphan house. And so they prayed, they prayed. They didn't ask for help. They said, God, you know the needs. And so they prayed for everything, for food. They prayed for provision. They prayed for clothing, for shelter, for it all to be built. And so finally the day comes where they open up for the first launch of the orphanage and no kids showed up. And in his autobiography, Mueller, he goes, 
We prayed for everything except for the kids. He said, we prayed for all the provisions that would be needed. We did not pray that any would show up. And so they, they prayed that night, and the next day, 50 kids came, and they started on this journey. Within a year, three more orphan houses opened. By 1870, this was after 25 years of prayer, there were five orphan houses that were built. They housed 1,700 widows, 2,500 orphans. And by the end of his life, by the end of George Mueller's life, his orphan houses cared for over 10,000 orphans. He never took a salary in the 68 years of ministry. He trusted God to put all of that in his hands and that he would make a way. He never took out a loan, never went into debt, and neither he nor the orphans ever went hungry. It's a powerful story. Now, George Mueller is a, is a unique force in history. I, I don't, we don't look at his life and say, okay, we all need to go do that. But there is something so challenging about this guy that just stirs my heart. And I want to stir your heart as we think about prayer, as we think about the Lord's Prayer that we just read again today. See, we're going through this piece by piece, and today we finally get to the part of the prayer that we all kind of want to pray, that most people want to pray. The reason why people pray in general is to get to this part. <laughs> it's the, the give me portion. It's the help me portion. We call that petition we're going to the Lord in petition. See, up to this point in the prayer, it's been more adoration. We're adoring God. We are thanking God. We're kind of in this praise mode. And now we get to this part where we can say, give us this day our daily bread. See, this is the first time we see one of the most powerful and unique things about prayer. See, one of the most unique and powerful things about prayer that we see right here is that prayer changes things. It's a way that, that God has given us and a pathway to see circumstances altered, circumstances changed in life. And that is, that is unique and powerful. Prayer makes a difference. And I think people intuitively think this and believe this. That's why people of all kinds pray, right? They, they say that there's that phrase, there are no atheists in foxholes, right? That means when you're in the middle of war, no one's an atheist because everybody's in that moment saying, God, I need help because there are bullets flying across my head. Well, that's the, that's the idea. We all kind of know this. We, we hope that there is a way for intervention to come in from God or from someone, something. But here we, we really see it, and God wants us to know that prayer works. It does. It, it changes things. God moves through prayer, and we don't, we don't fully understand how it works. We don't understand how God orchestrates all these things and our responsibility and his sovereignty. And we talked a little bit about that last week, but that God has a plan. He has things orchestrated in this world. He, he is also very involved in our day-to-day -day lives. 
And you say, Adam, I, I can't even begin to understand how God can move all that stuff around. And I agree with you. I have no idea. But that's why we have God's word, where we can see it and we start to see right here that prayer works and that we are to go to God with our needs. But there is a bigger picture that, that we're supposed to look at and see. We, we look at this particular part of the prayer where it falls in the Lord's Prayer, and it is right in the middle. It's right in the middle. In order to get to the, the help me portion, the give me portion, we had to go through all this other stuff, this Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, give us this day our daily bread. And so, two questions should come up as soon as we think about this, right? Two questions should come up. One is, what does it mean to pray for our daily bread? And two, why there? Why in the middle? Why is it at this part? Why did we have to wait so long to get there? You see, first, if we, if we think about, okay, what are we asking for? He says bread. Daily bread. That's what we're asking for. I mean, isn't that a great thing to pray for? <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I love bread. I think about all the other things that we're told to pray for in Scripture, this is by far the better, one of the better ones. Right? We're pray for patience, pray for endurance, pray for long-suffering, pray for our enemies. I'm going to pray for bread. I like, I like that one. But of course, Jesus isn't asking us to pray for bread, as it were. And we're not praying for physical bread, a loaf of bread. I mean, that's part of it. But the idea is we are praying for provision. We're praying for provision. We're, we're believing that God provides, and we're going to him to ask for provision. And so bread is one of those symbols, those representatives that, that give us a bigger picture. Throughout history, and even in biblical history, bread was a representation of our most basic needs and a powerful symbol for God's provision. The Old Testament, you have Israel, right? They're, the, they're kind of the centerpiece of the Old Testament where, where they are moving in and out of lands and places, and, and they're in slavery in Egypt, and they come out of God delivers them through Moses out of Egypt, and they're in the wilderness, wandering, waiting, and they're complaining. They're like, oh, man, the food back in Egypt was so good. I wish we had it. I wish we can go back there. Right? They've just been released, and God, instead of like what we would do, you know, wiping them off, he says, okay, I'm going to feed you. And what does he do? He provides bread from heaven. They would wake up in the morning, and there'd be fresh bread on floor that they were able to gather up. Bread is a, it's a symbol, even for us, right? If someone talks about, I, I, I need some bread today, they, you, you understand what they're saying. They're not just saying, I need, I need dough. They're saying, I need sustenance. We use that term to even describe money, right? We, there's, we don't usually say it much now, but bread was, could also be money. We talk about it in terms of someone who provides. They're a, they're a breadwinner. 
it's an easy symbol for us. So when we say, give us our daily bread, we're asking God to provide today what we need. Food, clothing, shelter, our, our, our basic needs, air. But there's something else there. There's a bigger meaning. There's a deeper meaning. There's something spiritual happening that is really important for us to, to look at and really zoom out for a second because this, this prayer asks God to satisfy our deepest foundational need in every category, right? He, he starts off with this description of him as father. That's this idea of family and community need. That's huge. And we talk about kingdom, God's kingdom, God's will. We want God's will to be done his way in his time and our daily need for, for provision. And so what it is What's happening here is this prayer is a reminder that we don't just need food. We need God. We don't just need food. We need God. We need Jesus. He's at the deepest object of our hunger. He tells us in another place in Scripture that he is the bread of life. Then another place in, in Scripture, we, we, we hear these words that man doesn't live on bread alone, but by what? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. So throughout Scripture, we're, we're shown this importance that we don't just live for our bellies. We don't just live to eat. There's something bigger happening. There's a deeper hunger. There's a deeper need. So when we pray, God, give us our daily bread, we are actually praying for Jesus to come and fill us every single day. We're going back to him daily to say, we need you. And that's, that, that helps us answer the second part of the question, the second question that says, well, why put this in the middle of the prayer? It's because of that, right? He's, he's building a case for our need for God as father, as kingdom, as food, as necessity, and what it does is it helps us to see that God gave us these physical needs because we're hungry how often? Every day, multiple times a day, all the time. We are hungry. And those, that physical hunger is a reminder, a constant reminder by God that says we need him. We need something bigger than a loaf of bread shows us that we need his, him and his love for us, his grace, his forgiveness for our sins, our need for his power to be with us, to strengthen us, to live lives that obey him and honor him because he is the only thing that will really satisfy us. He's the only thing that's going to fix us because bread is amazing. We eat it. We love it. We're hungry again and again and again. And Jesus promises to satisfy us in ways that bread never can. One of my favorite commercials that's, you know, today's a big day for commercials. It's the Super Bowl today, guys. Good job coming to church on Super Bowl Sunday. I know that is a, that's a stretch sometimes, but you're here. Hopefully we'll get you out in time for the game. If the spirit falls, 
we'll be here. No. Uh, I mean, commercials are amazing. We love them. They're funny. And one of the, about, it was almost like 10 years ago now where Snickers really started doing these great commercials where, you know, it was revealing that we're not great. We're not at our best when we're hungry. And I am the big, I, anyone who knows me knows I am not, the staff is starting to get to know this more. Like, I am not at my best when I'm hungry. And so now Snickers is, is doing a, a whole new, they're like doing all these teasers for tonight. And their big thing is like, we're going to fix the world tonight. We're going we're gonna to show you. And they're funny. And I think they're, you know, they, they don't take themselves too seriously. But, you know, they, they're saying things like the world's, the world is out of sorts. And tonight we're going to show you how we're going to help put it back together. And it's, it's just so funny and Snickers promises a lot to really satisfy, but we all know, as great as Snickers are, they're not the answer. We need Jesus. We need God. We need something. We need something more than what we get every single day. We need more than this game tonight. We need more than, than our government. We need more than the institutions that surround us that promise to take care of us and promise to satisfy us and promise to give us everything that we need. We need more because we take those things, we buy those things, we use those things, we trust those things. And what happens every single time we are disappointed and want more and need something more. And Christ comes and says, if you would, would come to me, I will show you. I will show you. It doesn't mean all your problems go away. It doesn't mean that every, everything becomes rosy, that there are no more troubles in this life, but it, it promises a satisfaction and, and a freedom while you go through the troubles of life. And so what I want to do is we try to put some application to, to this idea of daily bread. To recognize that we are out of sorts, okay? We, can, we don't need Snickers to tell us that. The world is out of sorts, and that's just not them. It's us, it's me, it's you. We're out of sorts. And so we are to come and pray for daily bread. And what I want to show us is that this little prayer is a, is a remedy. It's a medicine. It's a medicine for some things that, that ail us, that cause us trouble. And you might fit into, there's five of them. You might fit into all five. You might fit into one or two in, in some cases. But I, want, I think there is a, a generality to these five that are going to help us to think through how does praying for daily bread meet me on a day-to-day -day basis besides just filling my belly. So this is a remedy for things that we deal with. And the first thing it is, it's a remedy for is fear. It's a remedy for fear. Fear is troubling. It's crippling. Fear is something that we all deal with on different levels, but we all deal with in one way, shape, or another because we, we care about daily bread. 
We're supposed to. We, we want to eat. We want to drink. We want to breathe. We want to have warmth when it's cold and air conditioning when it's hot. We, we want those things. And so this is something that helps us to, to, to put an end to fear because it helps us to see how much God cares about our physical needs. He tells us to pray for it. And he wouldn't tell us to pray for something he didn't care about. So he says, pray, pray for your daily needs and don't be anxious about it. That's the hard part. The prayer part's easy. The anxious part, that's, that's a little harder. A little bit further in Matthew 6, a, little, a few verses down from where we are in, in the Lord's Prayer, this is what Jesus says. He says, I, I tell you, but yeah, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you'll drink or about your body, what you'll put on. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? If I could have you zoom in on a, on a sentence that we need reminding of, not just every day, probably every hour. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? There's a lot there, right? We could preach sermons on that. We could look at this for days and weeks. This is a lot. But the, the idea is that, look, you have a father who loves you, and he says he even feeds the birds. How much more is he going to do for you in your life? And the implication is that you're more valuable than birds. Just so you know. You're more valuable than birds, than the animals that live on this earth. You, you are a creation in God's image, and God is your father, and we're the only ones that can go to him and say, our father, give us this day our daily bread. You have a father in heaven who loves you and who provides for you. And he says, I, I, I don't want you to be anxious. I don't want you to be anxious about, about these things, about your daily bread. I want you to come to me and trust me that I'm going to provide for you. Other places in, in Scripture, in the New Testament especially, bring up the idea that there are good earthly fathers who, if, if their kids ask them for good things, they're going to give them good things. No, a kid's not going to come to dad and say, hey, a good dad, and say, hey, can I have a, a piece of bread or a fish? And he's going to say, haha, here's a snake or here's a stone. No, God doesn't do that. He says, if even good dads don't do that, if even good dads don't do that, you're, you're your heavenly father is not going to do that because he is so much better than the best dad on earth. And let me bring up a piece to this that may not be as obvious because I think there's this idea of we're not to be anxious and fear our present need. God will provide those present needs. But this is also about our future need. Sometimes we over worry about the future. Sometimes we over plan for the future. And I know all my accountants in here and are going, no, no, you can't. And my financial advisors are going, no, no, you can't over plan. Yes, you can. 
You can't overthink it because it doesn't say, give us this day 30 years from now a lot of money so that I can do what I want to do then. He says, give us this day our daily bread now here today. There is mission. There, is, there are things we are given and tasked to do today that do not hinge on your retirement plan. They're not supposed to hinge on your retirement plan. And listen, there is a place for wisdom. I try to save for the future as well. I, I, I understand it, so don't hear what I'm not saying. But there is a place where we can get off track by worrying so much about what's going to happen in the future that it makes us ineffectual now. Where we are called to give and give generously. And he doesn't say give generously if you have your savings in place. He says, I want you to give. Give out of your abundance. You, we, I preached on this a while back, the, the widow's two mites, where she gave everything that she had for the sake of Christ. This is meant to be a remedy for fear and what it does is it gives us strength and courage and boldness to step out in faith and, and follow God. And it, play, it goes into the next application point because it's a, it's a remedy for fear, but it's also a remedy for independence. It's a remedy for independence. And this is, this is something, again, we, we want to be. We like to be. We like to be strong and independent. I want to be financially independent, socially independent. I don't want to rely on anybody or anything. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to grab the bull by the horns. I'm living the American dream. I am going to be a self-made man, a self-made woman. And this prayer, it pushes us into another place. It reminds us that everything we have comes from God. That we are dependent on him for everything. And so we have to go back to him daily to say, God, I need today's provision. And so if you are one of those strong self-made men or women, or if you are independent, and I know there are many of you in here, and there are... There are uh, single moms who are in here who have had to do so much and be strong and be that force in the family to make sure everybody's okay. And there are single dads who are doing that. And there are families who are struggling and who have tried to take these steps to become financially free and independent. God's not minimizing your strength or that achievement, but he is saying, Remember that I'm at the center of all of this, that every gift comes from me. Every good gift comes from me. Independence is not our goal. Dependence on God is our goal. That's our target. I'm going to ask the worship team to start coming on up as we finish up with these last few points. Because this flows into the next one. It's, it's fear. It's a remedy for fear. It's a remedy for independence. It's a remedy for pride. Because all of this is wrapped together. Pride tells us that we can do it on our own, that I have done it. And then Jesus comes in and says, listen, I want you to be humble. I want you to understand that every day you need to come to me for provision. 
And we see that clearly in that phrase, our father, our father. What it means is that we are children. We're children. We don't like to be called children. I think I said this last week. We, we want, especially those of us who have grown up, we, we don't ever want to be called children. We're adults and we're grown and we're doing, we're doing new things. But God is calling us to say, you cannot do this on your own. And it forces us to come back again and again and again to him and say, God, would you help Father, would you give me the bread I need for today? Would you meet the needs that I have for today? And what it shows us is that it's also a remedy for laziness. We want prayer to be one and done. God, I need money. Give me money. We just, we, like an ATM. We, just, we want to punch the code in and get it out. We want it to be like the genie lamp. I rub it. He comes out, what do you, what's your wish? Here's my wish, boom, it's done for you. That's not how prayer works. Sometimes God moves immediately and, and amazingly in that one moment of prayer, we say, God, would you do this? And he does it and that's amazing, but that is not always how it works. And we see it right here because he says, give us this day, our daily bread. What is the implication? We're going back every single day asking, asking. He doesn't say you can just come and say, Every so often, give me my daily bread. When, when you think of it, he says, every day go to the throne of God and ask. And this helps shape our view of prayer. It shows us that we cannot be lazy in this, that we just can't sit back and say, well, if God wants me to eat, he's gonna give me food. He wants you to come and ask. He wants relationship with you, with me. And finally, it is a remedy for doubt. And this is a big one, because I know as I've been talking about all of this, inevitably, people in here are asking questions. God doesn't always answer my prayers. God doesn't always answer the prayers that I think he should answer. I don't believe that when I pray, it's going anywhere. Or I don't believe prayer works. This prayer is meant to be a help for us to take steps forward in faith. See, the opposite of doubt is faith, and everything is faith, man. Everything that we do as believers, as Christians, are faith. And I'm going to tell you what, everything we do in this world is faith. If you think, because I don't believe, or if you don't believe in God, that you're not operating on faith, you're wrong, because you're operating just, you're believing something different for your life, and something different is going to bring you happiness and comfort and significance. When we see God answering prayer, it, it strengthens our faith and it brings us back to him. And when we go, okay, why hasn't this prayer been answered? I've been praying for this for so long. God has not done this. This, we talked about this last week. God's will is mysterious at times. We don't fully understand everything that he's doing, but God has a purpose and a plan in what he does. 
Tim Keller says it this way. He says, he's a pastor, author, writer. You'll see lots of quotes from him, from me. God will only give you what you would have asked for if if you knew everything he knows. Just let that sink in for a sec. God will only give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything he knows. You'll still be thinking about that tonight, I know. Look, he's father. We often want to run to him like genie, but he wants to relate to us as father, as children coming to the father and saying, Father, would you help me with this? Would you, would you answer this prayer? And him as an all-knowing, all-loving father, he sees everything and he says, no, no, I'm not going to give you that because that actually, that's actually going to be bad for you. There are things I prayed for in my youth. Thank God he said no and did not do. And we just go through these phases, right? When we're, when we're 20, we look back and go, oh, I was so dumb when I was 10. Oh, I didn't know what to pray for. And then when we're 30, we're like, oh my goodness, man. When I was 20, I didn't know what I was thinking. When we're 40, we look back. We don't see things the way that we need to see them. And that's why we trust in a God who can see everything clearly. And so we trust We have to trust. We have to walk in faith. And it is supposed to help our doubt, not give more doubt. It gives us a place to put that doubt and to say, God, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know how to process all of this. Would you work in my life and would you help me? And it keeps us coming back to him and back to him and back to him. That's why we don't start with the give me prayer. That's why the Lord's Prayer doesn't start with, God, give me a good day, keep me safe, make me happy. It starts with, Father, Heaven Father, you are holy, you are all-knowing, you are everything. I'm acknowledging that, and by acknowledging that, I'm acknowledging that I can't see anything clearly, that you see everything clearly, and I want your kingdom here. And I want your will here. Now, acknowledging all that, give give me daily bread. It's a call to faith, my friends. And I want to invite you to walk in that faith. If you are experiencing doubt today, Choose faith today. Choose to believe that God is good because he tells us he is. Choose to believe that he is faithful because he tells us he is. Choose to believe that that what you are experiencing in this life is a part of a much bigger and beautiful plan. And choose to believe that there is a day coming when all of this goes we won't have to ask daily for bread. We won't have to ask for his kingdom to come and his will be done because it will be with us. There is that day coming when God will make a new heavens and a new earth and we will be with him as one. God is calling us to another level of faith in this prayer. And if you haven't taken that first step of faith, and trust in Christ, I want to invite you 
take that step of faith, that first step, and say, God, I need you. I need you as my father. I need forgiveness of my sins. I need you as Lord and Savior. And the good news is, is that he is faithful to meet us in that exact moment. God wants relationship with you. Church, let's stand together. This week, I want, I want you to think of, of all the ways that God has provided for you. And fight to focus on the good. Fight to focus on how he has loved you, how he has sought you. And I, wanna, I want you to just see this quote from George Mueller. Look at what he says. He says, when sight ceases, it's the time for faith to work. The greater the difficulties, the easier it is for faith. As long as human possibilities for success remain, faith does not accomplish things as easily as when all natural prospects fail. Let's pray. God, faith is tricky. It is slippery. It is hard for us to fully understand. But you tell us to walk in faith, and we see this man, this, this man, George Mueller, who lived in, in such a unique way of faith that, that we get stirred up and, or challenged to say, I could never do that, or I could do that. But the point is not to keep our eyes on George Mueller, but to look at the one who taught us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread, to look to Jesus. Jesus, you tell us that we are utterly dependent on you, that we should not fear because you're with us, because you are loving Father. That we are to be, walk in humility towards you and that we are to be strong and courageous because you're with us. God, I pray we would walk step by step into that more and more from this day forward. We ask you to fill us, God. Fill us with you so that we could live this prayer and this Christian life in a way that honors you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray.